Good morning, guys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, Before we get started today, I know normally we just hop into worship, but as we were praying this morning uh, and just kind of asking God to to be with us and speak to us, um, we were praying and I, I felt like we were supposed to take a moment before we start and um, just kind of set our hearts before the Lord. Um, If there's anything that you've been wrestling with, whether it be um, something you're struggling with God, like a a sin issue or something, or whether you've been struggling with fear or worry or anxiety, or if you've been wrestling with maybe somebody else, maybe another person or something, or maybe you and God haven't really been on the same page, and you feel like you guys need to kind of take a moment and get on the same page, I felt like we were supposed to just take a moment, and I wanted to encourage you to do that. Just kind of set yourself before the Lord. And then in the back, there's a little table there with some communion. And if you would like, after you take a moment to kind of settle yourself and put yourself before God, if you'd like to go and grab a piece of communion um, and, then, and then take that kind of in, in recognition of Christ's sacrifice for us um, and really come into worship and come into the service, I felt like God was saying expectation. Like, have an expectation for the Lord to meet you here this morning. Have an expectation for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, um, to show up, to make himself known to you. So I'm going to just say a real quick prayer, and then um, we're going to just give a minute or so just for you to kind of set your heart before the Lord, as it says in Scripture. Set your heart before the Lord. So Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, We thank you that you love us and that you care for us and you call us sons and daughters. So Lord, anything that we might be wrestling with, anything that we might be struggling with with you, anything we might be struggling with internally, anything we might be struggling with with someone else, Lord, we just set that before your throne. We lay it all down, Jesus. We lay it all down, God. Lord, that heavy burden, that backpack full of crud that we've been hauling around with us as we're trying to bring your kingdom to bear, Lord, we just kind of cut those straps loose. 
and let it fall to the ground, God, so that we can be free to move, to dance, to worship. So, Lord, we just take a moment in your presence. and astounding God's love so confounding appears to us in a cleansing flow of blood This time left throne in glory The Father's wrath and fury in our stead For the sins of all He bled Standing on worship Raise a voice in worship Come adore the King of Free to stand if you guys would like to. Behold the Lamb in heaven. He was dead, but God raised him from the grave. For his arm is mighty to save. Oh, 
Father God, for your faithfulness. Grander earth has quaked before, moved by the sound of its voice, and sees that all shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard and through it all through it all my eyes are on you through it all through it all it is well through it all through it all my eyes are on Believe, even when my eyes can't. 
mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And it is well, it is well. So let go, my soul, and trust.
soul and trust in Him. The waves and winds still know His name. Let go my soul and trust in Him. The waves and winds still know His name. The waves and winds still know
stand in awe of you and all that you've done and all that you are in all of the promises that you've kept and in all the times that you've walked us through pain we stand in awe we thank you Father God Amen Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's good to see you. Um, just a quick little announcement. Next week, we're going to be having family service, so all of our kiddos are going to be in here with us, and we'll be finishing up our series that we've been doing on the fruits of the Spirit and how to be a, a disciple. Um, this Sunday happens to be Pentecost Sunday, uh, according to the church calendar and according to us. So we're going to be talking about that this morning, and then next week we'll finish up our series. But if I could please get everybody to stand for me. Go ahead and stand up. Stretch, stretch out a little bit. Get a little bit of movement in those, those joints. And if you guys could please go and greet a couple of people, and if you see a new face, like pay special attention to them and give them all the love. So we'll be back in like two minutes, roughly, maybe five. Depends on how much greeting goes on.
Okay, if I could have you guys go ahead and start kind of finding your way back. We're going to get going here. if you guys could kind of wander back to your seats, although I love, I love all the love <laughs> going on. Well, happy Pentecost Sunday, everybody. I am going to start us off with just a quick word of prayer. All right, you ready? Come Holy Spirit. That's it. That's the prayer. It's just an invitation for God to come. You see, if we ask, Jesus says that we will receive. Now, he's not generally talking about like winning the lottery. He means like if you're asking things that are within the will of God. And God wants nothing so much as to be with us. Like that, he, he literally created the universe because he wanted to be with us. Like, that's glorious, you guys. That's amazing. Like, you know, it seems like sometimes things are just, are hard or difficult. And like, if we can just kind of refocus and recenter and and just say that simple prayer of come Holy Spirit and invite God to change things. I, I was thinking about that, that worship song this week. Um, when you come, everything changes. Those are the lyrics to it. I don't remember the name of the song. But, you know, it's just when, when he comes, everything changes. Like it changes the atmosphere. It changes the world. So I'm going to start off with um, kind of a, a position statement um, by the vineyard, this kind of loose group of churches that we're part of. But they, they have a kind of a, a position, a, an idea, kind of a general concept of, okay, how do we approach the Holy Spirit? So um, here's what they say. We believe that the Holy Spirit distributes his gifts to us, resulting in prophecy, prayer, languages, healing, miracles, and many other gifts as we joyfully experience his presence. I want to stop there for a minute. C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, says this, and I love this thought process of God. He says that miracles are written in little letters what God has written in large letters all across the universe. The fact that you are drawing breath is a miracle. The fact that there are other humans' eyes that you can look into is a miracle. 
The fact that we have terra firma, that we're standing on solid ground, is a miracle. It's, it's a vast miracle written across the universe. And then when, like, you know, God parts a Red Sea or multiplies food or some of these other things that happen, those are, those are small miracles. Those are incidental miracles, comparative to the vastness that is time and space in our universe. When you start looking at just how infinitesimal Earth is and how small we are in comparison to the rest of the galaxies and the universe and distance and the time and the space that exists, like, it is so vast. And God made all of that just because he wanted to hang out with us. How cool. (laughs) How amazing. Continuing on with the position statement. We value an approach to God's presence that is respectful, both of God and those that we are with. We eschew hype and other efforts to manipulate either God's presence or the response of others to his presence. We distinguish between the Holy Spirit and the human response, which shares in all of the beauty and brokenness of our humanity. We also believe that as we experience his presence through Christ, by the Spirit, we will be made more fully human and better reflections of the God image that we were created to be. One thing that we believe in the vineyard that makes us a little bit different from other charismatic Pentecostal movements When you accept Jesus Christ, when you choose to follow Jesus, we have a Trinitarian view of God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and the sometimes forgotten, God the Holy Spirit. And that when you accept Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart, the Trinity is indivisible. So the Holy Spirit is part of that package. Like you get a father... You get a son, and you get a Holy Spirit. And so when you accept Jesus, when you choose to follow Jesus, and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you accept his sacrifice for you, you accept all that he did for us, you accept that he put on human flesh and had to deal with all the yuck that is being human. And Jesus did that when he didn't have to. And also all the beauty. That when we accept all, he, all that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is part of that. And so each and every one of you who have chosen to follow Jesus, you are filled with also the Holy Spirit because you are filled with Jesus. And it's a package deal. They're not separatable. They're not an egg where you can like take the egg and the yolk and the shell and separate out the whites from the yellow. And you just can't do that with the Holy Spirit with Jesus, with the Father. God is a whole egg. He's a completeness. And so we believe that you have the Holy Spirit. And so that means each and every one of you who have chosen to follow Jesus, you can pray for someone and they can be healed. You can listen for God and he may speak to you. He might give you a vision for somebody and like say, hey, here's this picture And I want you to share this beautiful picture that I've given you with someone so that they can be encouraged and edified and lifted up. He may, there may be a miracle 
that happens because you have chosen to follow Jesus and he wants to use you to change someone's relationship. I honestly believe, I can say, I believe that restoration of broken relationships is way more of a miracle than like a healing of somebody's eye or their back or a limb growing. Because sometimes relationships are so broken, especially... You know, especially family relationships. Sometimes family relationships just, they're so destroyed. And a lot of times there's good reason they're destroyed. I mean, a lot of times significant harm has occurred and has happened. But God can do something in us to heal us so that those broken parts of us can be restored. Guys, that's miraculous. That is a miracle. Like, I would rather see that happen than 10 Red Seas being parted. That somebody's heart gets healed. Because the Red Sea is temporal. Our hearts are eternal. Our souls go on. I was going to make a funny joke, because like that made, there was like a Titanic, Celine Dion, heart going on. <laughs> Anyway, it was, it was in there. <laughs> hey, she's Canada's national treasure. Okay, continuing on. In John 14, 16, Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come to us after he went to the Father. Let's look at that passage. These are the words of Jesus. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth... The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Remember what I was talking about before about the Holy Spirit being part of that package? From the words of Jesus, that is the truth. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So this word advocate, in the Greek it's paracletes, so that the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the paraclete. The word's most basic meaning is advocate. It can also mean comforter, counselor, teacher, helper. That sounds like somebody that I want hanging out with me. That sounds like somebody I would like to have at my side. (laughs) Somebody who's going to be my comforter, and my counselor, and my teacher, and my helper? Like, that sounds fantastic. And like, they'll, like, they won't go away? Like, the session won't end, and then I'm on my own? That sounds amazing. The Spirit will always stand by Christ's people and live in them. The Bible also says that when we are aware of and responsive to God's presence in our life, that he'll begin to change us from the inside out. And as the Spirit shows us the love of the Father, we learn to serve the Spirit of God rather than our own cravings and desires. Like, you know, as Paul says, why is it that I do these things that I know I ought not do? Like, the Holy Spirit can step in and help us to deal with some of those things. These powerful drives that all of us have within us for money, sex, power, 
they're all put in their proper perspective by the Spirit of God. Remember earlier on, Jesus referred to him as the Spirit of truth. When I can see the truth of these things, it stops me in my tracks. When I am exercising my power over someone else, and the Holy Spirit pulls me up short and says, is that my way? I was literally the God of the universe. I put on human flesh, and I said to you, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. If anybody could have had power over all people, it would have been Jesus, right? And what did he do with that power? He served. He cared for others. He got on his knees and washed the disciples' dirty, smelly feet. That's what he did with all of his power. If you remember his temptation in the wilderness, the enemy said, look, I will give you all the world. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Jesus refuted him. The Holy Spirit can help us do the same. When we have the Spirit of God in us, we learn to walk in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is characterized by truth. He brings people, Scripture tells us, to the truth of God. It says it's by the Holy Spirit that we come to Christ. And he can also, when we ask him to bring divine revelation, to shine God's light on a situation that we have or or someone, or like if we're really struggling with somebody... Maybe it's a friend or a family member or a coworker, or even the grumpy lady in the grocery store who's physically writing a check. Not that that frustrates me. It just happened to be there. But like, like when we're feeling that moment, right, the Holy Spirit can step in and give us empathy and show us how to love and teach us how to care and show us the truth of our situation. Because when the Spirit comes, everything changes. So let's read that. Acts 2, 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How insane would it have been to be in that room? Have you ever been in like a really strong wind, especially like when the ones that like, you know, the different air pressures hit the cold and the warm and then they like it creates a circle, right? It creates a little mini tornado. Have you ever like as a kid, well, I, I don't know, I've always loved storms. I love weather. I like, like, calm, sunny days are boring to me. I like weather. Whether it's wind or rain or sleet or snow or what, uh, you know, I just, I like weather. I live in Yakima, where we have like 300 days of calm, sunny days a year. Um, Maybe that's why I like weather, because I don't get as much of it. But I love weather. And so as a kid, I remember being out on my grandparents' farm, and since it was fairly flat out there up on the hill, it was like a flat top hill. 
there are these dust devils would come up. And like when that happened, I would always go and like try and stand in the middle of it and let it like swirl around me and then it would move and I'd chase it. And like I remember doing that as a kid because I loved the feeling of like just this wind kind of like storming around me. I imagine it was like that in that room that the Holy Spirit came in and this wind just started whipping through the room in this like circle and then and then these tongues of fire appeared and, and sat above their heads. And then they started speaking in all these other tongues. Right? This is like exciting, crazy, amazing stuff. I mean, this is like how cool. Let's continue with the story. I kind of talked about it already. I'm going I'm to bounce forward because I'm running out of time. Um, according to Ezekiel, The wind blows and brings life back to dry bones. The Holy Spirit can bring us life. Kind of like the life we're hearing back there right now, which I absolutely love. Um, But like the Holy Spirit can bring us life. It can breathe life into us. And he blows wherever he pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so is everyone born of the Holy Spirit. It says this in John 3, 8. During Exodus, the period of Exodus, God also appeared to Moses as fire. So wind, Ezekiel, bringing life back to dry bones. Fire, Moses. When God revealed himself to Moses the first time, it was in the burning bush. If you've ever been in Sunday school and you had a little flannel board, I'm showing my age, but there's a little flannel board. We didn't have veggie tails back then. We had flannel boards. And on the flannel board, <laughs> they'd have a little fire and a little person that looked more like a chipmunk because flannel doesn't really get good edges. It's just kind of curvy because it's flannel. Um, But God revealed himself as a burning bush to Moses. And then after Exodus, God appeared to Moses again on Mount Sinai. And again, God appeared in fire. Said he descended on it in fire. And then he gave the law to Moses. The coming of the Spirit is marked. It marks the beginning of the church. This is when church really kicked off. Peter was there. Peter already had kind of some fire in him, right? As we read about Peter, he's the one with the sword in the garden. He's the one denying Christ. He's the one saying, Lord, let it not be. Like, Peter's kind of a, you know, he's got, he's a little, in my head, I imagine Peter being kind of a passionate dude, right? Can you imagine Peter on the Holy Spirit? Like, that kicks off the church, okay? Because Peter's like, amazing, The presence of the Spirit is what makes a person a Christian. This event fulfilled prophecies. It spoke of the last days that the Spirit would be poured out. So there's Old Testament prophecies that are being fulfilled here and continuing on today, we believe. When the Spirit of God enters us, not only does he change us personally, but he can change everything around us, our families, jobs, community, the whole world. It should come pouring out of us and into the world as we bring the kingdom. We've been teaching about the fruits of the Spirit on Sunday mornings, and character. You can't reproduce the character of Jesus on your own strength. It just doesn't work. Like, trying to be like Jesus on my own is just not doable. 
just doesn't, for me, at least uh, maybe some of you are like inherently so amazingly good that it works for you, but for Dusty, not so much. But like our New Year's resolutions, our personal willpower, our best intentions, it's just not enough. I mean, even in, you know, the, the secular world uh, of recovery, they recognize the need for higher power. Right? They recognize the need that as a normal human, you may not be able to do this on your own. So even if you're manufacturing your higher power, because some do, you need, to like, you need something outside of yourself because you just can't do it on your own. We know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, can make significant and real change in us and through us. Only how the Holy Spirit has the power to make those changes that God wants to make in our lives. Philippians 2.13 2, says this, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I want to read that one more time. And I want you to like hold on to this, believe this, reflect on this, own this, acknowledge this. God is working in you. giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's through God, it's through the Holy Spirit that we can be made new, that we can be changed, that we can truly be a new creation in Christ Jesus, that we can be better than we are now, that we can be more like Jesus. To be a Christian, to To have that identity means to be Christ-like, to be like Christ. That's it. All this other crud that we attach to it is not part of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to become more like Jesus every day. Each day, being changed, being transformed, the Holy Spirit working on us and changing us to make us more in, in his image. We've got to be more like Jesus that's why we spend so much time and, and energy and theology and study and effort here at the vineyard to know Jesus because like he, he is the center of our faith. Jesus is, is it. We, um, in, in vineyard, we have this thing called a center set theology. I'm going to just give a super Reader's Digest version of a much bigger thing. But a center set theology is this, that Jesus is at the core and at the center of all we do. That Jesus has to remain. He's like, think of him like soul, like the sun. Jesus is at the center. And everything else moves and circles and gravitates around Jesus. So when we're helping the poor, when we're serving our community, when we're meeting someone for counseling, when we're praying for somebody, when we're picking up our neighbor because they can't get to a medical appointment by themselves, you know, all, all these things we do. At the center is Jesus. We should be doing it unto Christ. We should be doing it because we love Jesus, we're grateful for all he did for us, and we want to serve him that he's our center. And that center can have many different expressions because each of you are uniquely called by God, by the Holy Spirit, 
to bring God's kingdom to bear into your communities, whether it be your faith community here, whether it be your work community, whether it be your family community, whether it be your friend community, God has empowered you and given you special purpose and being through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring God's kingdom to bear. And if we can simply join in with him, it says in Philippians, God working in you, giving you not just the desire, but also the ability, the power, the ability to do what pleases him. Keeping Jesus at the center. That's a center set. Our center is set. And then those different expressions are, okay, my, my Catholic friends across the street, loving and serving Jesus, taking care of their community, if they're keeping Jesus at the core, they're part of my family. My friends up at Yakima Foursquare, they're keeping Jesus at the core, part of my family. My friends at First Baptist, keeping Jesus at the core, they're part of the family, right? The Holy Spirit using us, those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, as long as we're keeping Jesus at the center. We can have so many different expressions of that. This happens to be my expression. <laughs> well, I remember, um, you know, I was raised Catholic. For those of you who don't know me, I was raised Catholic. Um, I was in Foursquare for like 16 years. Um, I was out of church for about five years or so, sitting in the back, because that's what you do. That's, I sit in the back. A new church, that's where you go. That's what I always do. Um, and I remember my friend um, Keith Mears was teaching that Sunday morning. Wayne Purdom was our pastor back then. This was roughly 20 years ago. And Chris and I had gone to, a, we went back to Foursquare where originally we went out to um, Westside Baptist. We went to some other churches and they were all good. We went to Stone Church and they were great. Nothing, I mean, they, they were serving Jesus. They were trying to take care of their community. Um, you know, they were good. But when we came here, it was one Sunday, 20 years left. Just, I knew. Like, God, the Holy Spirit was like, and it felt, it felt like home. It, it felt, you know, I, I don't even really have words for it to this day. It's just, and it was the Holy Spirit, like, was just like, you're here. Like, you just, you know, I, I don't have the right language to tell you. I have language to describe it. Just, it felt like home, and it has been home. And, like, you know, as these last couple decades have progressed, I figured that I was actually, like, a vineyard person before I was ever had stepped foot in a vineyard. Like, wait, I mean, I don't have to wear a suit on Sunday morning? That's amazing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, we had this thing, because I was on pastoral staff at another church, and there was this thing that our lead pastor always told us. He's like, when you, when you, if you have any issues or problems that you're dealing with, you don't after you pass through that door. And you have to be on your game and perfect, and you got to have it together. And there may be other people do, but it better not be you. I mean, that was kind of where I, you know, what I was taught. Um, and tell you how many times I've seen the pastor up front like lose it and ball. And, and God bless that, right? Because if you can't cry in church, if it's not safe to be broken in a church, I mean, Jesus said what? He didn't 
for the healthy, but and for the broken, right? Anyone else raise their hand that there's sickness and brokenness inside of you? Like, I've got it. (laughs) So this is my place, and you are my people. And the Holy Spirit joins us together, draws us together, the community of God, and we're a family. It's through the Holy Spirit. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Be amazed, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our language? Parthians, Medes, Aelians, Mesopotamia, I, this next one I have a hard time pronouncing, Pamphylia, something, I have a hard time with that one. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Official documents and papers were written in Greek from countries as far apart from Persia to Spain, Africa to Gaul, which was kind of like Western Germany, by the way, if you're kind of trying to track that. So Southern Europe, excuse me. Um, most people were multilingual and could speak multiple languages, unlike most Americans. Um, but they could also speak a language, area, a dialect. The Holy Spirit enabled people who were in that room to speak fluently, praise to God in their local little dialect. Insane. That's amazing. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit steps in and God changes things. Every church in our Yakima community is unique, like I was saying before. In our community, I'd love for us to opportunities to pray for people who are experiencing brokenness and pain, heartache, that the needs of as followers of Jesus, that's what he called us to. And it's not easy. And I pretend that it's easy. Jesus can be really, really, really hard if you're doing it right. It can be so difficult. I mean, because our way, we want our rights. We want our position. Our needs met. We want our comfort primary. And it's pretty anti American. Because in the US, and you know, honestly, most other countries, like the purpose is to get ahead, right? Accumulate stuff. He who dies with the most toys wins. I might have had that bumper sticker on my truck at one point in my youth. Um, you like, it's, it's, like, that's our culture, right? Is like, if I can find enough luxuries, and joys, and entertainment to keep myself comfortable, then I won't have to deal with those things that are hard. Or, like, put myself out there to somebody else. But Jesus tells us that that's not his way. And I'm not saying go sell all your stuff and go to Africa. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have income and even a good income. I'm not saying those things. 
People like to like have this black and white, like you either give up everything or you just pursue money. And that's, that's like silly. <laughs> there were people who supported and funded the ministry of Jesus. And they were necessary for Jesus to do what he had to do. So I don't want people hearing me saying one thing or another. Money's not bad in and of itself. It's a tool like a hammer. I can use a hammer to build a house, or I can use a hammer to crush someone's skull. The hammer's the hammer. Money is a hammer. It's, I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about where's your focus. It's said that you can't serve both God and money, right? So if, like, serving God is my focus, it's fine. It's fine to make money. But if serving money is my focus, or making money is my focus, and Jesus is just kind of an add-on, like a leather bucket seats to my money-making Mustang, eh, it's not really what God wants. That's not Jesus being Lord with a capital L. It's just not. So as we're in our communities... As we're looking at bringing God's kingdom to bear, I want you to practice the six little wor- six word question that we can ask other people. May I pray for you now? I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was in my staff room at the school. I had injured my shoulder, and one of my coworkers asked me if I she could pray for me. So we stopped in the middle of the copy room, and she laid hands on my shoulder and she prayed for me. And we stood there praying, and people were walking by. Um. This last week, gosh, I think it's okay to tell this story. Sorry, I'm processing. Yeah, we were on lunch. It's fine. Um, One of our uh, administrators is going to another school, and he's a great guy. He's so cool. He's he's just an awesome guy, Um, and he's he's a Christian. Many of us, I would actually argue, probably most of our staff at the school I work at are followers, are believers of Jesus. And so he made the announcement, told everybody that he was going to be leaving. And then one of our our vice principals um, said, anybody who wants to stick around, this is the end of our meeting. Anybody who wants to stick around and feels like you want to, um, we're going to pray for Joel. Ah, dang it, I said his name. (laughs) I was trying really hard to be like, "Ah, whatever. Um, It's fine. Anyway, we're praying for uh, our administrator who's going to another school to work. Um, And so we all start praying. And there's probably about 20 of us, staff members, um, paraeducators, teachers, office administrators, uh, principals. And we laid hands on him and we prayed for him in the middle of our gym. And we probably prayed for about a good 20 minutes or so. And um, just kind of we're together and praying for him. But people like to tell us that God's not in school, (laughs) which is a word that I won't use on a Sunday morning, but it starts with bull, and it ends with something else. And, like, it's just not true. I can tell you, and, like, he came up, and uh, he talked to me a couple days later, and he's like, we were talking just a little bit, and we're like, we both, we really felt the presence of God there in the middle of our gymnasium as we were all praying for him and asking God to bless him as he's going on to this next assignment. And it was just because the invitation to pray was there. And so we gathered, and we prayed. 
There are way more of us out there, and, way more, and, and we're from all kinds of different faith traditions. We've got Catholics and Baptists and Pentecostals and Evangelicals, and like we're all over the place, like those of us, because it's a pretty big staff, and so we're, we go to all kinds of different churches. Nobody was checking their church card before they prayed with each other. We follow the same Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. There is way more that unites us as followers of Jesus than separates us. And yet we, lo- we let the world create all these divisions between us. And it's just, it's wrong. And you know what? It's more than wrong. It's evil. And I would argue it is a plan of the devil, of the enemy that is active to separate us and to divide us and to get us into our little corners so that we can't work together and we can't team up to bring God's kingdom. And we let him, and it ticks me off. I'm serious, like it makes me mad. Because we let the enemy divide us, and there's so much more that unites us. Anyway, we should always be ready to ask this question. May I pray for you? May I pray for you? So God's kingdom can break in. In the vineyard, we have this little thing called the five-step prayer model. I'm going to do a super short Reader's Digest version of this. But it's kind of a basic framework that we have. This isn't the only way you can pray for somebody. It's not a formula. It's not the law. Um, <laughs> so don't hear that. This is just kind of a framework for like praying for someone. Okay? So I want to preface it with that. We try to start off with the interview. This is like basically saying somebody comes for prayer. We're like, what's going on? Where does it hurt? What's painful? This is not a detailed medical interview. My friend Aaron, the doctor, could probably like do one of those. I'm not him. Now, if they have a problem with their computer, that I could maybe diagnose, but not medical. It's kept simple and to the point. Tell me what's going on. And as you listen to the person describe their pain, as one of God's children, you have the capacity to listen to the person and the Holy Spirit at the same time. So as they're speaking to you, be listening for God. Holy Spirit, what's going on with this person? What are they dealing with? What's happening? And this short little interview can lead you to the second step. A diagnostic decision. This sounds really fancy. It's not. It basically means what are we going to do? So why does this person have this condition? What are they wrestling with? What's going on with them? We listen to them. They told us. They explained their need. And now we're asking God about the cause. Have they contracted some type of disease? If they come up to you and they say, well, you know, I've got cancer. It's been diagnosed in my lymph nodes. Well, we can make a pretty quick diagnostic decision. Okay, well, you've got cancer. We need to pray for that, right? But it may be something else. Have they hurt themselves? Are they experiencing the effects of sin in their life? It's, you know, if I'm struggling with significant alcoholism and I'm having issues with my liver, those two things might be connected, you know, things like that. Or it could be like sin itself. Like if I, did you know um, that they have scientifically proven through, through medicine that um, if you are somebody who really struggles with anger and rage, that there are physiological responses in your body of increased blood pressure and heart disease because you 
live with anger. Like there are physiological responses to the sin in our life. Like your body will express what you're wrestling with. Is the root of their pain emotional, demonic, physical? Listen for the Holy Spirit for insight. And ask, ask him, what do I do? God, as I'm praying for this person, what do I do? What do I do in this circumstance? And this moves us to the third step. What kind of prayer am I praying? What will help this person? Because our focus, as I said at the very beginning, should be in respecting the imagio Dei, the image of God in them. Respecting the person. Respecting who they are. Having respect both for God and the person in front of us. So what kind of prayer will help this person? What's God doing in this moment, at this time? How can I intercede for this person? What kind of prayer do they need? Do they need prayers of blessing and affirmation? I will tell you, some of the best prayer I've received is somebody just praying God's blessing over me and and telling me that God loves me and that he cares for me and that he's for me and that he's not my enemy and, and that he wants the best for me. Like, that's some of the best prayer I've received. Petition. Asking God, joining them for healing. Like, Lord, according to your will, according to your mercy, according to your great love for this person, Lord, would you heal them? Would you restore them? Would you make them new? Prayers of command. Sometimes we speak to the pain. Or, or if they're wrestling with something uh, evil, if they have like some kind of demonic oppression or something going on, we speak to that and, and ask Jesus to intervene, because we can't do anything. We're just people, just like the person we're praying for. We've got brokenness and issues just like the people we're praying for. But Jesus can touch them. The Holy Spirit can heal them. The Holy Spirit can make them free. I'm going to tell you guys about an experience I had once when I was young. I'm just checking my time here. Um, I was about 13 years old, and I was by myself. Um, I remember... I was just getting ready for bed. I hadn't gone to sleep yet. I was reading, and then I, um, I felt something attacking me. I can't even really explain like, much more than that, other than like something was pressing on me uh, as I was laying in bed, and it was attacking me. It was trying to hurt me. Um, and I just started praying. I was, I was like, Gee, really? My, here's my prayer. Jesus, help. <laughs> like, that was the extent of my prayer. I was like, God, I don't, this is weird. I'm 13 years old. I don't really have a grid. You know, I haven't developed a full theology. Um, like, I just, but I knew Jesus, and I knew the Holy Spirit, and, and I knew Jesus could help me, and so I was just praying, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And I, I literally felt something ripped off of me. Like, and in my head, I had this picture of like, and I do it to my kitty all the time, like somebody grabbing something by the scruff of its neck and like just pulling it off. And, and I physically felt a weight lift off of me. I don't have an explanation for it. Like I said, I just, I know I was being attacked. I don't know what I had done or what was going on or if I had let, you know, let something in or what, I don't know. I was a follower of Jesus. I was a Christian. It wasn't possessing me, but it was definitely trying to screw with me. And so Jesus showed up. The Holy Spirit was there and, and brought me freedom in that moment. 
I didn't have other people praying for me. I didn't have anybody laying hands on me. God just showed up and, and like, helped me out. He took, he took care of it for me. Um, and I was, like, beyond grateful. <laughs> so I started praising God, and I started telling God, thank you. And, like, I was, you know, profoundly grateful. Um, and so there's different... I don't want you, like I said, I don't want this to be some kind of weird formula thing, um, you know, where you have to... Um, do some specific things to get God to respond. Um, Wayne, one of our previous pastors, used to always like to say that God's not a gumball machine. You don't put your prayer in and get your prize out. Like, it doesn't work that way. That's not how God works. Continuing on. Prayer selection. What kind of prayer? The ultimate issue is this. What's God doing in this particular time? Intercession, praying on their behalf, rebuking a demonic presence. As you pray, this is something that we do that's a little bit different. Pray with your eyes open. I'm not very good at this. I, I like to close my eyes. It's because like, I did that for most of my life. And so that's my reflex, is to close my eyes when I pray. Um, but the reason for this is they say, um, and I've heard this over and over in the decades that I've been in the vineyard, is so that you can be aware of what God's doing in the person you're praying for. Because people will sometimes have a physical response to prayer. They may get flushed. They may have a body part that like shakes or moves. They might be sweating. They may cry. And if, if your eyes are closed, like somebody could be bawling their head off, like just tears running down their face. And if your eyes aren't open, you won't know it. And you can't respond. But if you're paying attention to them, if you're respecting them, I mean, we do it respectfully. I'm not going to sit there and like bore my eyes into somebody. I have a hard time with eye contact anyway. Anybody who knows me knows this about me. Like I look around and to the side and maybe forehead. Like I struggle with eye contact. I'm just, I don't know why. I just, because maybe because I'm an introvert. I don't know. I just, I struggle with eye contact. Always have my whole life. Um, so it's, you're like, don't do that. <laughs> Even if you're one of those eye contact people, don't do that. Like, but be aware of how they're responding to the prayer. Uh, let's see. Um, then engagement. We should ask people, how, how is this going? Like, as we're praying for you, how are you doing? Like, usually as you're praying for somebody, there's a, a lull in the time of prayer. There's a, some space that develops. And this is a really good time to ask, how, how are you? Because our number one goal is to love them, to show them our love, and to show them the love of Jesus. And if it's, if it's painful, if it's difficult, if they're really struggling with this, you, we should know that. And not like, like if somebody has something hurt, you don't keep like poking at it, right? It might be time to back off. Or... Maybe God's doing something and they're, they're getting some freedom and it's time to press in. But you don't know unless you have a conversation. We don't know. And so have a conversation with them. How are you doing? How, how is this for you? And asking them, looking for the Holy Spirit in that moment. And be watchful. How is their body responding? I've prayed for people multiple times. Um, and felt my hands get really hot. It's one of the things that happens with me. My hands just get really hot. And it's one of the ways that I know that God's doing something. Um, 
Uh, for different people, there's different things. Like different people respond in different ways. But for me, uh, my hand gets really warm. And a lot of times the person I'm praying for will say, it, it felt like there was like you were putting a heating pad on my shoulder as my hand was on your shoulder, as your hand was on my shoulder. It just was like super hot. So it's not just me. Like they feel it too. I don't know why. I don't have a theology around it. It just happened. I don't know. And with some of this stuff, you guys, um, like scripture doesn't explicitly tell us every single bit of nuance of when we pray for people or how the Holy Spirit shows up. I can promise you all of the disciples sitting in that upper room had no concept of a giant wind starting to blow and tongues of flame shooting down. They didn't have a theology for that, right? And then they started speaking in other tongues. They probably weren't prepared for that. Jesus hadn't really prepared them for that. So sometimes when God shows up, he's God. He's not a trained poodle. God's going to do what God's going to do. And sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it doesn't look the way we expect it, and that's okay. Um, uh, One of the founders of Vineyard, uh, John Wimber, used to always say that um, it's okay if things get messy, God has a really big mop. Like, it's okay sometimes if things get messy. God, God, God will take care of it. Like, if our hearts... Or, as I said, kind of mid-message, if we're Christ-centered, if Jesus is at our core, if our heart and intent is to keep Jesus at the core of everything that we do, it can look different. It can look a little strange to other people. I can promise you a Sunday morning at Vineyard doesn't look exactly the same as a Sunday morning at Mass because I've attended both, and I know that's the case. Like, they just don't look the same. It's okay. Holy Spirit responds to us in different places in different ways. So know this. Asking this question does not disturb the prayer. If you're asking somebody how they're doing as you're praying for them, it's not going to suddenly, oh, well, I just broke prayer. I guess we're done. (laughs) Like, that doesn't happen. At least it hasn't in my experience. (laughs) Like, you know, and a lot of times people will respond to us and then we go into other prayer and we actually have a little bit better idea of how to pray for somebody because we've asked the question of how they're doing. Post-prayer. So after we're done praying, it begs the question, okay, what do I do now? So the person just got prayed for, what do we do? What do I do with that? This isn't a time where you share your advice, that you bring your great wisdom and insight into their lives, where you have some type of negative prophetic word for them, or put responsibility on the person receiving prayer, that they just don't have enough faith and that's why nothing happened. It's not how God works. It's ugly. Matter of fact, I've seen that push people away from Jesus, not to him. You don't get healed because you will it hard enough and then just add God in. Jesus heals. Dusty's got no healing in him. (laughs) Like, no, I am not the Holy Spirit. 
No divine power issues from me. It's from the Father. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. God can heal. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He might have you share a verse, share encouragement, direct them to follow through on, like, if there's an area where I had to repent of something, you know, maybe I was doing something that was damaging to me and other people and I need to repent, follow up on that. In this entire process, which doesn't take much time, everything should be done in love and with a desire to help the person who is receiving the prayer. It is not about you. You are there to serve. You are there to serve them. You are there to serve God. It's one of the most amazing things you can do to put yourself in a place of humility and love for them and allow God to use you to pray for them. The person receiving the prayer, you want them to have freedom, peace, Joy. Like, that's why we pray for people. That's why we ask God to intervene in their lives, because we want them to have freedom. We want them to experience God's joy. We want them to know God's love. It takes a little courage. It takes a sensitive heart (laughs) to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And above all else, I have found that the, the most Effective, the people who pray the most effectively are people who have compassion and empathy. Because they actually, truly, sincerely love the person they're praying for with God's love. And just, I'm just telling you, this is experientially from what I've known in my years of following Jesus that people who truly care, they're just crazy effective because they're sincere they're not just praying because they're supposed to because they love because that's God's heart so here's what we're going to do the time we have left we're going to pray for one another Um, and I was kind of praying about how to do this and here's what I would like um, I would like for just where you're sitting to gather in some small groups for one person to have some courage to be prayed for. Because it can be a little bit intimidating sometimes to ask for prayer. But I'd like for somebody to ask for prayer. And then I'd like for us to ask them what's going on. I'm going to cycle through this again real quick. I should have done this one. I failed. Um, ask them what's going on. Decide how to pray. Choose how to pray. Ask them how they're doing. And then finally, what are we going to do about it? And I know this is a little unusual for Sunday morning service. It's okay. It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost was pretty unusual for them. They weren't expecting what happened. Um, and I, for those of you, and if you're profoundly uncomfortable with this, you're okay. Jesus loves you. I love you. God bless you. It's okay. This is not a weird Christian peer pressure moment, okay? (laughs) This is an opportunity to learn how to pray or to receive prayer. 
Look at it as such. It's an opportunity. And if you're, just, if you're not there, if you're not comfortable with it, it's okay. Be blessed. Jesus loves you. I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. There are no levels of you're better than or worse than any of, like, we're just all kids. Of, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sons and daughters. God loves us. So don't feel like there's some weird Christian echelon. And just because I'm standing up here, God doesn't listen to my prayers any more than yours. I'm not special. He doesn't like me best. He likes you best. So, as, as you feel willing or as you feel led, go ahead and just form some small groups. Pray for each other. I'm going to get out of the way. And I'm going to sneak back and I'm just going to kind of be interceding. I'm going to be praying for all of you guys.
Good morning, guys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, Before we get started today, I know normally we just hop into worship, but as we were praying this morning uh, and just kind of asking God uh, to be with us and speak to us, um, we were praying and I felt like we were supposed to take a moment before we start and um, just kind of set our hearts before the Lord Um, If there's anything that you've been wrestling with, whether it be um, something you're struggling with God, like a a sin issue or something, or whether you've been struggling with fear or worry or anxiety, or if you've been wrestling with maybe somebody else, maybe another person or something, or maybe you and God haven't really been on the same page, and you feel like you guys need to kind of take a moment and get on the same page, I felt like we were supposed to just take a moment, and I wanted to encourage you to do that. Just kind of set yourself before the Lord, and then in the back... 
there's a little table there with some communion. And if you would like, after you take a moment to kind of settle yourself and put yourself before God, if you'd like to go and grab a piece of communion um, and, then, and then take that kind of in, in recognition of Christ's sacrifice for us um, and really come into worship and come into the service, I felt like God was saying expectation. Like, have an expectation for the Lord to meet you here this morning. Have an expectation for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, um, to show up, to make himself known to you. So I'm going to just say a real quick prayer, and then um, we're going to just give a minute or so just for you to kind of set your heart before the Lord, as it says in Scripture. Set your heart before the Lord. So Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, we thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you call us sons and daughters. So Lord, anything that we might be wrestling with, anything that we might be struggling with with you, anything we might be struggling with internally, anything we might be struggling with with someone else, Lord, we just set that before your throne. We lay it all down, Jesus. We lay it all down, God. Lord, that heavy burden, that backpack full of crud that we've been hauling around with us as we're trying to bring your kingdom to bear, Lord, we just kind of cut those straps loose and let it fall to the ground, God, so that we can be free to move, to dance, to worship. So, Lord, we just take a moment in your presence. and astounding God's love so confounding appears to us in a cleansing flow of blood The sun left throne in glory The Father's wrath and fury in our stead For the sins of all He bled Standing on worship Raise a voice in worship Come adore the King of kings and lords. 
if you guys would like to. Behold the Lamb in heaven. He was dead, but God raised him from the grave. For his arm is mighty to save.
clothed in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, roars of thunder.
thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness.
million winds still know his name let go my soul and trust in him the waves and winds still know his name the waves and winds still know
stand in awe of you and all that you've done and all that you are in all of the promises that you've kept and in all the times that you've walked us through pain we stand in awe we thank you Father God Amen Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's good to see you. Um, Just a quick little announcement. Next week, we're going to be having family service, so all of our kiddos are going to be in here with us, and we'll be finishing up our series that we've been doing on the fruits of the Spirit and how to be a a disciple. Um, This Sunday happens to be Pentecost Sunday. Uh, according to the church calendar, and according to us. So we're going to be talking about that this morning, and then next week we'll finish up our series. But if I could please get everybody to stand for me. Go ahead and stand up. Stretch, stretch out a little bit. Get a little bit of movement in those, those joints. And if you guys could please go and greet a couple of people, and if you see a new face, like pay special attention to them and give them all the love. So we'll be back in like two minutes, roughly, maybe five. Depends on how much greeting goes on.
Okay, if I could have you guys go ahead and start kind of finding your way back. We're going to get going here. If you guys could kind of wander back to your seats, although I love, I love all the love <laughs> going on. Well, happy Pentecost Sunday, everybody. I am going to start us off with just a quick word of prayer. All right, you ready? Come, Holy Spirit. That's it. That's the prayer. It's just an invitation for God to come. You see, if we ask, Jesus says that we will receive. Now, he's not generally talking about like winning the lottery. He means like if you're asking things that are within the will of God. And God wants nothing so much as to be with us. Like that, he, he literally created the universe because he wanted to be with us. Like, that's glorious, you guys. That's amazing. Like, you know, it seems like sometimes things are just, are hard or difficult. And like, if we can just kind of refocus and recenter and, and just say that simple prayer of come Holy Spirit and invite God to change things. I, I was thinking about that, that worship song this week. Um, when you come, everything changes. Those are the lyrics to it. I don't remember the name of the song, but you know, it's just when, when he comes, everything changes. Like it changes the atmosphere. It changes the world. So I'm going to start off with um, kind of a, a position statement um, by the vineyard, this kind of loose group of churches that we're part of. But they, they have a kind of a, a position, a, an idea, kind of a general concept of, okay, how do we approach the Holy Spirit? So um, here's what they say. We believe that the Holy Spirit distributes his gifts to us, resulting in prophecy, prayer, languages, healing, miracles, and many other gifts as we joyfully experience his presence. I want to stop there for a minute. C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, says this, and I love this thought process of God. He says that miracles are written in little letters what God has written in large letters all across the universe. The fact that you are drawing breath is a miracle. The fact that there are other humans' eyes that you can look into is a miracle. 
The fact that we have terra firma, that we're standing on solid ground, is a miracle. It's, it's a vast miracle written across the universe. And then when, like, you know, God parts a Red Sea or multiplies food or some of these other things that happen, those are, those are small miracles. Those are incidental miracles, comparative to the vastness that is time and space in our universe. When you start looking at just how infinitesimal Earth is and how small we are in comparison to the rest of the galaxies and the universe and distance and the time and the space that exists, like, it is so vast. And God made all of that just because he wanted to hang out with us. How cool. (laughs) How amazing. Continuing on with the position statement. We value an approach to God's presence that is respectful, both of God and those that we are with. We eschew hype and other efforts to manipulate either God's presence or the response of others to his presence. We distinguish between the Holy Spirit and the human response, which shares in all of the beauty and brokenness of our humanity. We also believe that as we experience his presence through Christ, by the Spirit, we will be made more fully human and better reflections of the God image that we were created to be. One thing that we believe in the vineyard that makes us a little bit different from other charismatic Pentecostal movements When you accept Jesus Christ, when you choose to follow Jesus, we have a Trinitarian view of God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and the sometimes forgotten, God the Holy Spirit. And that when you accept Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart, the Trinity is indivisible. So the Holy Spirit is part of that package. Like you get a father, You get a son, and you get a Holy Spirit. And so when you accept Jesus, when you choose to follow Jesus, and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you accept his sacrifice for you, you accept all that he did for us, you accept that he put on human flesh and had to deal with all the yuck that is being human. And Jesus did that when he didn't have to. And also all the beauty. that when we accept all, he, all that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is part of that. And so each and every one of you who have chosen to follow Jesus, you are filled with also the Holy Spirit because you are filled with Jesus. And it's a package deal. They're not separatable. They're not an egg where you can like take the egg and the yolk and the shell and separate out the whites from the yellow. And you just can't do that with the Holy Spirit with Jesus, with the Father. God is a whole egg. He's a completeness. And so we believe that you have the Holy Spirit. And so that means each and every one of you who have chosen to follow Jesus, you can pray for someone and they can be healed. You can listen for God and he may speak to you. He might give you a vision for somebody and like say, hey, here's this picture And I want you to share this beautiful picture that I've given you with someone so that they can be encouraged and edified and lifted up. He may, there may be a miracle 
that happens because you have chosen to follow Jesus and he wants to use you to change someone's relationship. I honestly believe, I can say, I believe that restoration of broken relationships is way more of a miracle than like a healing of somebody's eye or their back or a limb growing. Because sometimes relationships are so broken, especially... You know, especially family relationships. Sometimes family relationships just, they're so destroyed. And a lot of times there's good reason they're destroyed. I mean, a lot of times significant harm has occurred and has happened. But God can do something in us to heal us so that those broken parts of us can be restored. Guys, that's miraculous. That is a miracle. Like, I would rather see that happen than 10 Red Seas being parted. That somebody's heart gets healed. Because the Red Sea is temporal. Our hearts are eternal. Our souls go on. I was going to make a funny joke, because like that made, there was like a Titanic, Celine Dion, heart going on. <laughs> Anyway, it was, it was in there. <laughs> hey, she's Canada's national treasure. Okay, continuing on. In John 14, 16, Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit would come to us after he went to the Father. Let's look at that passage. These are the words of Jesus. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Remember what I was talking about before about the Holy Spirit being part of that package? From the words of Jesus, that is the truth. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So this word advocate, in the Greek it's paracletes, so that the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the paraclete. The word's most basic meaning is advocate. It can also mean comforter, counselor, teacher, helper. That sounds like somebody that I want hanging out with me. That sounds like somebody I would like to have at my side. Somebody who's going to be my comforter, and my counselor, and my teacher, and my helper? Like, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> and like, they'll, like, they won't go away? Like, the session won't end, and then I'm on my own? That sounds amazing. The Spirit will always stand by Christ's people and live in them. The Bible also says that when we are aware of and responsive to God's presence in our life, that he'll begin to change us from the inside out. And as the Spirit shows us the love of the Father, we learn to serve the Spirit of God rather than our own cravings and desires. Like, you know, as Paul says, why is it that I do these things that I know I ought not do? Like, the Holy Spirit can step in and help us to deal with some of those things. These powerful drives that all of us have within us for money, sex, power. 
they're all put in their proper perspective by the Spirit of God. Remember earlier on, Jesus referred to him as the Spirit of truth. When I can see the truth of these things, it stops me in my tracks. When I am exercising my power over someone else, and the Holy Spirit pulls me up short and says, is that my way? I was literally the God of the universe. I put on human flesh, and I said to you, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. If anybody could have had power over all people, it would have been Jesus, right? And what did he do with that power? He served. He cared for others. He got on his knees and washed the disciples' dirty, smelly feet. That's what he did with all of his power. If you remember his temptation in the wilderness, the enemy said, look, I will give you all the world. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus refuted him. The Holy Spirit can help us do the same. When we have the Spirit of God in us, we learn to walk in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is characterized by truth. He brings people, Scripture tells us, to the truth of God. It says it's by the Holy Spirit that we come to Christ. And he can also, when we ask him to bring divine revelation, to shine God's light on a situation that we have or or someone, or like if we're really struggling with somebody... Maybe it's a friend or a family member or a coworker, or even the grumpy lady in the grocery store who's physically writing a check. Not that that frustrates me. It just happened to be there. But like, like when we're feeling that moment, right, the Holy Spirit can step in and give us empathy and show us how to love and teach us how to care and show us the truth of our situation. Because when the Spirit comes, everything changes. So let's read that. Acts 2, 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How insane would it have been to be in that room? Have you ever been in like a really strong wind, especially like when the ones that like, you know, the different air pressures hit the cold and the warm and then they like it creates a circle, right? It creates a little mini tornado. Have you ever like as a kid, well, I, I don't know. I've always loved storms. I love weather. I like, like, calm, sunny days are boring to me. I like weather. Whether it's wind or rain or sleet or snow or what, uh, you know, I just, I like weather. I live in Yakima, where we have like 300 days of calm, sunny days a year. Um, Maybe that's why I like weather, because I don't get as much of it. But I love weather. And as a kid, I remember being out on my grandparents' farm, and since it was fairly flat out there up on the hill, it was like a flat top hill. 
there are these dust devils would come up. And like when that happened, I would always go and like try and stand in the middle of it and let it like swirl around me and then it would move and I'd chase it. And like I remember doing that as a kid because I loved the feeling of like just this wind kind of like storming around me. I imagine it was like that in that room that the Holy Spirit came in and this wind just started whipping through the room in this like circle and then and then these tongues of fire appeared and, and sat above their heads. And then they started speaking in all these other tongues. Right? This is like exciting, crazy, amazing stuff. I mean, this is like how cool. Let's continue with the story. I kind of talked about it already. I'm going I'm to bounce forward because I'm running out of time. Um, according to Ezekiel, the wind blows and brings life back to dry bones. The Holy Spirit can bring us life, kind of like the life we're hearing back there right now, which I absolutely love. Um, but like the Holy Spirit can bring us life. It can breathe life into us. And he blows wherever he pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so is everyone born of the Holy Spirit. It says this in John 3, 8. During Exodus, the period of Exodus, God also appeared to Moses as fire. So wind, Ezekiel, bringing life back to dry bones. Fire, Moses. When God revealed himself to Moses the first time, it was in the burning bush. If you've ever been in Sunday school and you had a little flannel board, I'm showing my age, but there's a little flannel board. We didn't have veggie tails back then. We had flannel boards. And on the flannel board, <laughs> they'd have a little fire and a little person that looked more like a chipmunk because flannel doesn't really get good edges. It's just kind of curvy because it's flannel. Um, but God revealed himself as a burning bush to Moses. And then after Exodus, God appeared to Moses again on Mount Sinai. And again, God appeared in fire. Said he descended on it in fire. And then he gave the law to Moses. So the coming of the Spirit is marked. It marks the beginning of the church. This is when church really kicked off. Peter was there. Peter already had kind of some fire in him, right? As we read about Peter, he's the one with the sword in the garden. He's the one denying Christ. He's the one saying, Lord, let it not be. Like, Peter's kind of a, you know, he's got, he's a little, I, in my head, I imagine Peter being kind of a passionate dude, right? Can you imagine Peter on the Holy Spirit? Like, that kicks off the church, okay? Because Peter's like, amazing, the presence of the Spirit is what makes a person a Christian. This event fulfilled prophecies. It spoke of the last days that the Spirit would be poured out. So there's Old Testament prophecies that are being fulfilled here and continuing on today, we believe. When the Spirit of God enters us, not only does he change us personally, but he can change everything around us, our families, jobs, community, the whole world. It should come pouring out of us and into the world as we bring the kingdom. We've been teaching about the fruits of the Spirit on Sunday mornings, and character. You can't reproduce the character of Jesus on your own strength. It just doesn't work. Like, trying to be like Jesus on my own is just not doable. 
It just doesn't, for me, at least uh, maybe some of you are like inherently so amazingly good that it works for you, but for Dusty, not so much. But like our New Year's resolutions, our personal willpower, our best intentions, it's just not enough. I mean, even in, you know, the, the secular world uh, of recovery, they recognize the need for higher power, right? They recognize the need that as a normal human, you may not be able to do this on your own. So even if you're manufacturing your higher power, because some do, you need, to, like, you need something outside of yourself because you just can't do it on your own. We know Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit, can make significant and real change in us and through us. Only how the Holy Spirit has the power to make those changes that God wants to make in our lives. Philippians 2.13 Philippians 2, says this, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I want to read that one more time. And I want you to like hold on to this Believe this, reflect on this, own this, acknowledge this. God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's through God, it's through the Holy Spirit that we can be made new, that we can be changed, that we can truly be a new creation in Christ Jesus, that we can be better than we are now, that we can be more like Jesus. To be a Christian, to, to have that identity means to be Christ-like, to be like Christ. That's it. All this other crud that we attach to it is not part of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to become more like Jesus every day. Each day, being changed, being transformed, the Holy Spirit working on us and changing us to make us more in his image. We've got to be more like Jesus. That's why we spend so much time and, and energy and theology and study and effort here at the vineyard to know Jesus because like he he is the center of our faith. Jesus is, is it. We, um, in, in Vineyard, we have this thing called a center set theology. I'm going to just give a super Reader's Digest version of a much bigger thing. But a center set theology is this, that Jesus is at the core and at the center of all we do. That Jesus has to remain. He's like, think of him like soul, like the sun. Jesus is at the center. And everything else moves and circles and gravitates around Jesus. So when we're helping the poor, when we're serving our community, when we're meeting someone for counseling, when we're praying for somebody, when we're picking up our neighbor because they can't get to a medical appointment by themselves, you know, all, all these things we do. At the center is Jesus. We should be doing it unto Christ. We should be doing it because we love Jesus, we're grateful for all he did for us, and we want to serve him. That he's our center. And that center can have many different expressions. Because each of you are uniquely called by God, by the Holy Spirit, 
to bring God's kingdom to bear into your communities, whether it be your faith community here, whether it be your work community, whether it be your family community, whether it be your friend community. God has empowered you and given you special purpose and being through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring God's kingdom to bear. And if we can simply join in with him, it says in Philippians, God working in you, giving you not just the desire, but also the ability, the power, the ability to do what pleases him. Keeping Jesus at the center. That's a center set. Our center is set. And then those different expressions are, okay, my, my Catholic friends across the street, loving and serving Jesus, taking care of their community, if they're keeping Jesus at the core, they're part of my family. My friends up at Yakima Foursquare, they're keeping Jesus at the core, part of my family. My friends at First Baptist, keeping Jesus at the core, they're part of the family, right? The Holy Spirit using us those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, as long as we're keeping Jesus at the center, we can have so many different expressions of that. This happens to be my expression. <laughs> well, I remember, um, you know, I was raised Catholic. For those of you who don't know me, I was raised Catholic. Um, I was in Foursquare for like 16 years. Um, I was out of church for about five years or so, sitting in the back, because that's what you do. That's, I sit in the back of a new church. That's where you go. That's what I always do. Um, and I remember my friend um, Keith Mears was teaching that Sunday morning. Wayne Purdom was our pastor back then. This was roughly 20 years ago. And Chris and I had gone to, a, we went back to Foursquare where originally we went out to um, Westside Baptist. We went to some other churches and they were all good. We went to Stone Church and they were great. Nothing, I mean, they, they were serving Jesus. They were trying to take care of the community. Um, you know, they were good. But when we came here, it was one Sunday. 20 years left. Just, I knew. Like, God, the Holy Spirit was like, and it felt, it felt like home. It, it felt, you know, I, I don't even really have words for it to this day. It's just, and it was the Holy Spirit. Like, was just like, you're here. Like, you just, you know, I, I don't have the right language to tell you. I have language to describe it. Just, it felt like home, and it has been home. And, like, you know, as these last couple decades have progressed, I figured that I was actually, like, a vineyard person before I was ever had stepped foot in a vineyard. Like, wait, I mean, I don't have to wear a suit on Sunday morning? That's amazing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, we had this thing, because I was on pastoral staff at another church, and there was this thing that our lead pastor always told us. He's like, when you, when you, if you have any issues or problems that you're dealing with, you don't after you pass through that door. And you have to be on your game and perfect, and you got to have it together. And there may be other people, but it better not be you. I mean, that was kind of where I, you know, what I was taught. Um, and tell you how many times I've seen the pastor up front, like, lose it and ball. And, and God bless that, right? Because if you can't cry in church, if it's not safe to be broken in a church, I mean, Jesus said what? He didn't 
for the healthy, but and for the broken, right? Anyone else raise their hand that there's sickness and brokenness inside of you? Like, I've got it. (laughs) So this is my place, and you are my people. And the Holy Spirit joins us together, draws us together, the community of God, and we're a family. It's through the Holy Spirit. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Be amazed, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, I, this next one I have a hard time pronouncing, Pamphylia, something, I have a hard time with that one. Egypt and parts of Libya, Near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Official documents and papers were written in Greek from countries as far apart from Persia to Spain, Africa to Gaul, which was kind of like Western Germany, by the way, if you're kind of trying to track that. So, Southern Europe, excuse me. Um, most people were multilingual and could speak multiple languages, unlike most Americans. Um, but they could all local language, area, a dialect. The Holy Spirit enabled people who were in that room to speak fluently, praise to God in their local little dialect. Insane. That's amazing. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit steps in and God changes things. Every church in our Yakima community is unique, like I was saying before. In our community, I'd love for us to opportunities to pray for people who are experiencing brokenness and pain, heartache, that the needs of As followers of Jesus, that's what he called us to. And it's not easy. And I pretend that it's easy. Jesus can be really, really, really hard if you're doing it right. It can be so difficult. I mean, because our way, we want our rights. We want our position, our needs met. We want our comfort primary. way. And it's pretty anti-American. Because in the U.S. and, you know, honestly, most other countries, like the purpose is to get ahead, right? Accumulate stuff. He who dies with the most toys wins. I might have had that bumper sticker on my truck at one point in my youth. Um, you know, like, it's, it's, like, that's our culture, right? Is like, if I can find enough luxuries joys and entertainment to keep myself comfortable, then I won't have to deal with those things that are hard. Or, like, put myself out there to somebody else. But Jesus tells us that that's not his way. And I'm not saying go sell all your stuff and go to Africa. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have income and even a good income. I'm not saying those things. 
People like to like have this black and white, like you either give up everything or you just pursue money. And that's, that's like silly. <laughs> there were people who supported and funded the ministry of Jesus. And they were necessary for Jesus to do what he had to do. So I don't want people hearing me saying one thing or another. Money's not bad in and of itself. It's a tool like a hammer. I can use a hammer to build a house, or I can use a hammer to crush someone's skull. The hammer's the hammer. Money is a hammer. It's, I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about where's your focus. It's said that you can't serve both God and money, right? So if, like, serving God is my focus, it's fine. It's fine to make money. But if serving money is my focus, or making money is my focus, and Jesus is just kind of an add-on, like a leather bucket seats to my money-making Mustang, eh, it's not really what God wants. That's not Jesus being Lord with a capital L. It's just not. So as we're in our communities... As we're looking at bringing God's kingdom to bear, I want you to practice the six-word question that we can ask other people. May I pray for you now? I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was in my staff room at the school. I had injured my shoulder, and one of my coworkers asked me if she could pray for me. So we stopped in the middle of the copy room, and she laid hands on my shoulder, and she prayed for me, and we stood there praying, and people were walking by. Um... This last week, gosh, I think it's okay to tell this story. Sorry, I'm processing. Yeah, we were on lunch. It's fine. Um, One of our uh, administrators is going to another school, and he's a great guy. He's so cool. He's he's just an awesome guy, Um, and he's he's a Christian. Many of us, I would actually argue, probably most of our staff at the school I work at are followers are believers of Jesus. And so he made the announcement, told everybody that he was going to be leaving. And then one of our, our vice principals um, said, anybody who wants to stick around, this is the end of our meeting. Anybody who wants to stick around and feels like you want to, um, we're going to pray for Joel. Ah, dang it, I said his name. <laughs> I was trying really hard to be like, ah, whatever. Um, it's fine. Anyway, we're praying for uh, our administrator who's going to another school to work. Um, And so we all start praying. And there's probably about 20 of us, staff members, um, paraeducators, teachers, office administrators, uh, principals. And we laid hands on him and we prayed for him in the middle of our gym. And we probably prayed for about a good 20 minutes or so. And um, just kind of were together and praying for him. But people like to tell us that God's not in school, (laughs) which is a word that I won't use on a Sunday morning, but it starts with bull, and it ends with something else. And, like, it's just not true. I can tell you, and, like, he came up, and uh, he talked to me a couple days later, and he's like, we were talking just a little bit, and we're like, we both, we really felt the presence of God there in the middle of our gymnasium as we were all praying for him and asking God to bless him as he's going on to this next assignment. And it was just because the invitation to pray was there. And so we gathered, and we prayed. 
There are way more of us out there, and, way more, and, and we're from all kinds of different faith traditions. We've got Catholics and Baptists and Pentecostals and Evangelicals, and like we're all over the place, like those of us, because it's a pretty big staff, and so we're, we go to all kinds of different churches. Nobody was checking their church card before they prayed with each other. We follow the same Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. There is way more that unites us as followers of Jesus than separates us. And yet we, lo- we let the world create all these divisions between us. And it's just, it's wrong. And you know what? It's more than wrong. It's evil. And I would argue it is a plan of the devil, of the enemy that is active to separate us and to divide us and to get us into our little corners so that we can't work together and we can't team up to bring God's kingdom. And we let him, and it ticks me off. I'm serious, like it makes me mad. Because we let the enemy divide us, and there's so much more that unites us. Anyway, we should always be ready to ask this question. May I pray for you? May I pray for you? So God's kingdom can break in. In the vineyard, we have this little thing called the five-step prayer model. I'm going to do a super short Reader's Digest version of this. But it's kind of a basic framework that we have. This isn't the only way you can pray for somebody. It's not a formula. It's not the law. Um, (laughs) So don't hear that. This is just kind of a framework for, like, praying for someone, okay? So I want to preface it with that. We try to start off with the interview. This is like basically saying somebody comes for prayer. We're like, what's going on? Where does it hurt? What's painful? This is not a detailed medical interview. My friend Aaron, the doctor, could probably like do one of those. I'm not him. Now, if they have a problem with their computer, that I could maybe diagnose, but not medical. It's kept simple and to the point. Tell me what's going on. And as you listen to the person describe their pain, as one of God's children, you have the capacity to listen to the person and the Holy Spirit at the same time. So as they're speaking to you, be listening for God. Holy Spirit, what's going on with this person? What are they dealing with? What's happening? This short little interview can lead you to the second step. A diagnostic decision. This sounds really fancy. It's not. It basically means what are we going to do? So why does this person have this condition? What are they wrestling with? What's going on with them? We listened to them. They told us. They explained their need. And now we're asking God about the cause. Have they contracted some type of disease? If they come up to you and they say, well, you know, I've got cancer. It's been diagnosed in my lymph nodes. Well, we can make a pretty quick diagnostic decision. Okay, well, you've got cancer. We need to pray for that, right? But it may be something else. Have they hurt themselves? Are they experiencing the effects of sin in their life? It's, you know, if I'm struggling with significant alcoholism and I'm having issues with my liver, those two things might be connected, you know, things like that. Or it could be like sin itself. Like if I, did you know um, that they have scientifically proven through, through medicine that um, if you are somebody who really struggles with anger and rage, that there are physiological responses in your body of increased blood pressure and heart disease 
because you live with anger? Like, there are physiological responses to the sin in our life. Like, your body will express what you're wrestling with. Is the root of their pain emotional, demonic, physical? Listen for the Holy Spirit for insight. And ask, ask him, what do I do? God, as I'm praying for this person, what do I do? What do I do in this circumstance? And this moves us to the third step. What kind of prayer am I praying? What will help this person? Because our focus, as I said at the very beginning, should be in respecting the imagio Dei, the image of God in them. Respecting the person, respecting who they are. Having respect both for God and the person in front of us. So what kind of prayer will help this person? What's God doing in this moment, at this time? How can I intercede for this person? What kind of prayer do they need? Do they need prayers of blessing and affirmation? I will tell you, some of the best prayer I've received is somebody just praying God's blessing over me and and telling me that God loves me and that he cares for me and that he's for me and that he's not my enemy and, and that he wants the best for me. Like, that's some of the best prayer I've received. Petition, asking God, joining them for healing. Like, Lord, according to your will, according to your mercy, according to your great love for this person, Lord, would you heal them? Would you restore them? Would you make them new? Prayers of command. Sometimes we speak to the pain. Or, or if they're wrestling with something uh, evil, if they have like some kind of demonic oppression or something going on, we speak to that and, and ask Jesus to intervene because we can't do anything. We're just people, just like the person we're praying for. We've got brokenness and issues just like the people we're praying for. But Jesus can touch them. The Holy Spirit can heal them. The Holy Spirit can make them free. I'm going to tell you guys about an experience I had once when I was young. I'm just checking my time here. Um, I was about 13 years old, and I was by myself. Um, I remember I was just getting ready for bed. I hadn't gone to sleep yet. I was reading, and then I, um, I felt something attacking me. I can't even really explain, like, much more than that, other than, like, something was pressing on me uh, as I was laying in bed, and it was attacking me. It was trying to hurt me. Um, and I just started praying. I was, I was like, Gee, really? My, here's my prayer. Jesus, help. <laughs> like, that was the extent of my prayer. I was like, God, I don't, this is weird. I'm 13 years old. I don't really have a grid. You know, I haven't developed a full theology. Um, like, I just, but I knew Jesus, and I knew the Holy Spirit, and, and I knew Jesus could help me, and so I was just praying, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And I, I literally felt something ripped off of me. Like, and in my head, I had this picture of, like, and I do it to my kitty all the time, like, somebody grabbing something by the scruff of its neck and, like, just pulling it off. And, and I physically felt a weight lift off of me. I don't have an explanation for it. Like I said, I just, I know I was being attacked. I don't know what I had done or what was going on or if I had let, you know, let something in or what. I don't know. I was a follower of Jesus. I was a Christian. It wasn't possessing me, but it was definitely trying to screw with me. And so Jesus showed up, the Holy Spirit was there, and, and brought me freedom in that moment. 
I didn't have other people praying for me. I didn't have anybody laying hands on me. God just showed up and, and like, helped me out. He took, he took care of it for me. Um, and I was, like, beyond grateful. <laughs> so I started praising God, and I started telling God, thank you. And, like, I was, you know, profoundly grateful. Um, and so there's different... I don't want you, like I said, I don't want this to be some kind of weird formula thing, um, you know, where you have to... Um, do some specific things to get God to respond. Um, Wayne, one of our previous pastors, used to always like to say that God's not a gumball machine. You don't put your prayer in and get your prize out. Like, it doesn't work that way. That's not how God works. Continuing on. Prayer selection. What kind of prayer? The ultimate issue is this. What's God doing in this particular time? Intercession, praying on their behalf, rebuking a demonic presence. As you pray, this is something that we do that's a little bit different. Pray with your eyes open. I'm not very good at this. I, I like to close my eyes. It's because like, I did that for most of my life. And so that's my reflex, is to close my eyes when I pray. Um, but the reason for this is they say, um, and I've heard this over and over in the decades that I've been in the vineyard, is so that you can be aware of what God's doing in the person you're praying for. Because people will sometimes have a physical response to prayer. They may get flushed. They may have a body part that like shakes or moves. They might be sweating. They may cry. And if, if your eyes are closed, like somebody could be bawling their head off, like just tears running down their face. And if your eyes aren't open, you won't know it. And you can't respond. But if you're paying attention to them, if you're respecting them, I mean, we do it respectfully. I'm not going to sit there and like bore my eyes into somebody. I have a hard time with eye contact anyway. Anybody who knows me knows this about me. Like I look around and to the side and maybe forehead. Like I struggle with eye contact. I'm just, I don't know why. I just, because maybe because I'm an introvert. I don't know. I just, I struggle with eye contact. Always have my whole life. Um, so it's, you're like, don't do that. <laughs> Even if you're one of those eye contact people, don't do that. Like, but be aware of how they're responding to the prayer. Uh, let's see. Um, then engagement. We should ask people, how, how is this going? Like, as we're praying for you, how are you doing? Like, usually as you're praying for somebody, there's a, a lull in the time of prayer. There's a, some space that develops. And this is a really good time to ask, how, how are you? Because our number one goal is to love them, to show them our love, and to show them the love of Jesus. And if it's, if it's painful, if it's difficult, if they're really struggling with this, you, we should know that. And not like, like if somebody has something hurt, you don't keep like poking at it, right? It might be time to back off. Or... Maybe God's doing something and they're, they're getting some freedom and it's time to press in. But you don't know unless you have a conversation. We don't know. And so have a conversation with them. How are you doing? How, how is this for you? And asking them, looking for the Holy Spirit in that moment. And be watchful. How is their body responding? I've prayed for people multiple times. Um, and felt my hands get really hot. It's one of the things that happens with me. My hands just get really hot. And it's one of the ways that I know that God's doing something. Um, 
Uh, for different people, there's different things. Like different people respond in different ways. But for me, uh, my hand gets really warm. And a lot of times the person I'm praying for will say, it, it felt like there was like you were putting a heating pad on my shoulder as my hand was on your shoulder, as your hand was on my shoulder. It just was like super hot. So it's not just me. Like they feel it too. I don't know why. I don't have a theology around it. It just happened. I don't know. And with some of this stuff, you guys, um, like, Scripture doesn't explicitly tell us every single bit of nuance of when we pray for people or how the Holy Spirit shows up. I can promise you all of the disciples sitting in that other upper room had no concept of a giant wind starting to blow and tongues of flame shooting down. They didn't have a theology for that, right? And then they started speaking in other tongues. They probably weren't prepared for that. Jesus hadn't really prepared them for that. So sometimes when God shows up, he's God. He's not a trained poodle. God's going to do what God's going to do. And sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it doesn't look the way we expect it, and that's okay. Um, uh, One of the founders of Vineyard, uh, John Wimber, used to always say that um, it's okay if things get messy, God has a really big mop. Like, it's okay sometimes if things get messy. God God. God will take care of it. Like if our hearts are, as I said, kind of mid-message, if we're Christ-centered, if Jesus is at our core, if our heart and intent is to keep Jesus at the core of everything that we do, it can look different. It can look a little strange to other people. I can promise you a Sunday morning at Vineyard doesn't look exactly the same as a Sunday morning at Mass because I've attended both, and I know that's the case. Like, they just don't look the same. It's okay. Holy Spirit responds to us in different places, in different ways. So know this. Asking this question does not disturb the prayer. If you're asking somebody how they're doing as you're praying for them, it's not going to suddenly, oh, well, I just broke prayer. I guess we're done. (laughs) Like, that doesn't happen. At least it hasn't in my experience. <laughs> like, you know, and a lot of times people will respond to us and then we go into other prayer and we actually have a little bit better idea of how to pray for somebody because we've asked the question of how they're doing. Post prayer. So after we're done praying, it begs the question okay, what do I do now? So the person just got prayed for, what do we do? What do I do with that? This isn't a time where you share your advice, that you bring your great wisdom and insight into their lives, where you have some type of negative prophetic word for them, or put responsibility on the person receiving prayer that they just don't have enough faith and that's why nothing happened. It's not how God works. It's ugly. Matter of fact, I've seen that push people away from Jesus, not to him. You don't get healed because you will it hard enough and then just add God in. Jesus heals. Dusty's got no healing in him. (laughs) Like, no, I am not the Holy Spirit. 
No divine power issues from me. It's from the Father. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. God can heal. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He might have you share a verse, share encouragement, direct them to follow through on, like, if there's an area where I had to repent of something, you know, maybe I was doing something that was damaging to me and other people, and I need to repent, follow up on that. In this entire process, which doesn't take much time, everything should be done in love and with a desire to help the person who is receiving the prayer. It is not about you. You are there to serve. You are there to serve them. You are there to serve God. It's one of the most amazing things you can do to put yourself in a place of humility and love for them and allow God to use you to pray for them. The person receiving the prayer, you want them to have freedom, peace, joy. Like That's why we pray for people. That's why we ask God to intervene in their lives because we want them to have freedom. We want them to experience God's joy. We want them to know God's love. It takes a little courage. It takes a sensitive heart to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And above all else, I have found that the, the most effective, the people who pray the most effectively are people who have compassion and empathy. Because they actually, truly, sincerely love the person they're praying for with God's love. And just, I'm just telling you this is experientially from what I've known in my years of following Jesus that people who truly care, they're just crazy effective. They're sincere. They're not just praying because they're supposed to, because they love, because that's God's heart. So here's what we're going to do. The time we have left. We're going to pray for one another. Um. And I was, I was kind of praying about how to do this. And here's what I would like. Um, I would like for folks just where you're sitting to gather in some small groups for one person to have some courage to be prayed for. Because it can be a little bit intimidating sometimes to ask for prayer. But I'd like for somebody to ask for prayer. And then I'd like for us to ask them what's going on. I'm going to cycle through this again real quick. I should have done it this one. I failed. Um, ask them what's going on. Decide how to pray. Choose how to pray. Ask them how they're doing. And then finally, what are we going to do about it? And I know this is a little unusual Sunday morning service. It's okay. It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost was pretty unusual for them. They weren't expecting what happened. Um, and I, for those of you, and if you're profoundly uncomfortable with this, you're okay. Jesus loves you. I love you. God bless you. It's okay. This is not a weird Christian peer pressure moment, okay? <laughs> this is an opportunity to learn how to pray or to receive prayer. 
Look at it as such. It's an opportunity. And if you're, just, if you're not there, if you're not comfortable with it, it's okay. Be blessed. Jesus loves you. I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. There are no levels of you're better than or worse than any of, like, we're just all kids. Of, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sons and daughters. God loves us. So don't feel like there's some weird Christian echelon. And just because I'm standing up here, God doesn't listen to my prayers any more than yours. I'm not special. He doesn't like me best. He likes you best. So, as, as you feel willing or as you feel led, go ahead and just form some small groups, pray for each other. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to sneak back, and I'm just going to kind of be interceding. I'm going to be praying for all of you guys.